Welcome to those tuning into the Climate Assessment for the Southwest new podcast series, 1075, Shortage on the Colorado River. 1075 refers to the elevation of Lake Mead and feet above sea level that serves as a trigger for reduced water allocations. And according to the latest projections from the Bureau of Reclamation, Lake Mead could fall below 1075 as soon as June 2015. I'm Zach Guido, CLEMA staff scientist, and today I'm joined by Alan Forrest. Alan is the director of Tucson Water, which is Tucson's public water utility and serves water to more than 225,000 customers in and around the city. Thanks, Alan, for joining us. It's, uh, it's great to have you here to give us some of your insights on the issue of, of water and dwindling water supplies here in, in Arizona. So I'll just paint the, the, the scene for you uh, initially and get your, get your, get your thoughts. But uh, Lake Mead, as you know, is currently at about 1,082 feet above sea level. And it's dwindling or, or, or lowering, and it soon will be at a, at a point which it probably hasn't been at a low level since the, the lake began filling in about 1938. And of course, the trigger, the first trigger elevation that uh, sets in motion um, reduced allocations is 1075. So one of the, the questions of the day, is this, is this a concern to municipal water management here in, in southern Arizona? Well, obviously, we are a customer of Central Arizona Project. We have the single largest municipal and industrial allocation on the system. So, so yeah, anything uh, revolving around the, uh, the status of uh, water deliveries off the Colorado River are of, you know, interest to us. I, I would say at this point that, you know, maybe not as big a concern I think it's more something that we feel like we need to monitor and see what the impacts would be. But, you know, from our standpoint right now, if the secretary were to declare a, a shortage based on the level of Lake Mead, you know, the impacts to municipal LRTs on, on the CAP system would be quite some time out. So it's a concern, but it's not a near term issue for us. Okay, so maybe we can step back and do a little little background. Mm-hmm. So, so you're the director of, of, of Tucson Water, and w- maybe if you can describe a little bit about the water portfolio that you use to supply customers, how many customers sure. you have. And- sure, we can do that. So we're a, a municipally owned, we're owned by the city of, uh, of Tucson, and we are a, a water utility. We're the largest water utility in, in southern Arizona. We serve oh, a little over 700,000 people population both inside and outside the city limits right now i think we're about 30 40 percent outside the city limits uh the remainder inside the city limits so uh we historically were a all 100 percent groundwater system until uh about 1983 or so and we developed our uh our existing, our current uh, reclaimed water system. So we started providing uh, recycled uh, effluent to large turf users uh, throughout the area, mostly golf courses, but parks, school grounds. Uh, we even have some residential, about 500 residential customers that we provide uh, reuse water uh, for irrigation purposes. So so we still have a an amount of recycled water, reuse water that we aren't using directly of our, we, I think if numbers have been changing because demands have been changing, but 
I think we have available to us somewhere on the order of uh, 30, 35,000 acre feet a year of, of reclaimed water. We're probably only utilizing half of that directly through our system. The rest goes into the Santa Cruz River. We do get some credits for that, but we're, we're actually looking uh, master planning for how to utilize that resource more thoroughly in the future. So that's that's kind of the second prong. We still have groundwater that we have available, but because of the 1980 Groundwater Management Act, we had to shift to renewable water supplies. So uh, that's why we applied for and do have an allocation Central Arizona project. So I mentioned earlier, we had the largest MNI uh, subcontract. We have uh, about 144,000 and change uh, acre feet per year available to us. And we currently take delivery of all of that water every year and we recharge it in facilities that we have out in the Avra Valley. Our current demands are about uh, 100,000 acre feet per year. So we're banking about total. 40, yeah, total uh, demands are about 100,000 acre feet. And, and that's an interesting point too uh, that I like to share because it's a very interesting uh, statistic. But our total water use, uh, our demands right now are about at the same level they were in 1989. Our hmm. demands through conservation have you know, gone down so much that we're now at a level we were in 1989, but we're serving probably 200,000 more people than we were in 1989. So it, it's a it's a very uh, uh, very interesting. We're statistic. getting more efficient at our at our water use. Much more efficient, and that's you know a credit to our customers. I mean, they're the ones that have reduced their water use. We've always been one of the most frugal water users in in the country, especially in the Southwest. But with these more recent declines, we're still leading the way. Our, our total per capita right now for potable water use is below 130 gallons per person per day. And our residential, single family residential is below 90 hmm. now. So we're, we're really, uh, I, I don't know how much lower we can go, but we're continuing to drop. So you, so Tucson Water gives out about to its customers about a hundred thousand acre feet. Correct. And what comes in through CAP is about one hundred and seven. One hundred and forty-four. One hundred forty-four. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And then you, there's actually an additional thirty-ish, thirty-five-ish from the uh, recycled. Correct. Okay, so Correct. there's quite a bit of uh, surplus, and so right. that's going, that's right. being banked into into the ground so right. are the groundwater levels going up yes in 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 general uh the answer is yes it's going up a lot in the areas that we're recharging we still pump a little bit from the central well field which is really the kind of within the and where's that? that that would be like this area we're in around the u of tucson. a yeah the central part of tucson the city of tucson so that's where our central well field that's where we used to pull all of our water and we were having uh real sharp declines but central well field just by not pumping it uh that much for the last few years it's it's shown about a 50 foot uh recovery Okay. Uh, in groundwater levels. So it's all really positive what we're doing and uh, we're banking a lot of water for the future. Now, now is that, 
Is that the same story for outside sort of the municipal Tucson water uh, area or are other providers sort of in the same situation or? or yeah, they're, they're seeing a lot of the same things. We are uh, reduced de- uh, demands, maybe not to the level ours are, but they've, they've been seeing uh, reduced demands. Most of the other providers in the Tucson area have Central Arizona Project uh, allocations. They've been working to put theirs to beneficial use. A lot of them, some of them use our facilities and bank some of their water. We've got wheeling arrangements with with several of the uh, utilities whereby we accept their CAP water into our storage facilities. We then recover that water on their behalf. And since they their systems basically back up against ours, it's pretty easy to make an interconnect and we can deliver that water directly back to them. So in essence, we're enabling them to utilize some of their allocation directly as well. So uh, we do the same thing on the uh, reclaim system. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we've extended the reclaim system out to Oro Valley and we basically, uh, they have rights to uh, effluent. We basically wheel that water to them through our system and they're providing uh, uh, reclaimed water to, I think about four golf courses up in that area. So they've greatly reduced their dependence on uh, groundwater as well. And I think they're seeing some uh, groundwater level uh, recovery as well. Okay, so I want to go back to where uh, we, we first began, and you said that, um, so uh, Tucson is, is getting a large portion of its water from CAP. CAP Correct. is one of the more vulnerable water management or, or, or movement uh, apparatuses due to the dwindling Lake, lake Mead sort of level. So they, uh, CAP would take a hit if lake mead goes in into shortage so when you said um it would be quite some time before tucson would see any impacts can you just expand on that right so as you're probably aware uh central arizona project is the has a junior right to the colorado so if there are reductions in deliveries from the colorado cap takes a, the full hit before any of the other uh states uh take a hit but even within CAP, there is a, uh, a priority system, and municipal and industrial customers have the highest priority, along with the Indian uh, communities uh, that have CAP. So what that means is agriculture, excess water users, agricultural users, they will come offline first before... Uh, municipal and industrial does and then once they're completely off the system then it'd be kind of a pro rata share amongst all the uh, municipal industrial and the indian communities so what would it take for them to go off the system do you know offhand um i i believe the again i might not have the numbers exactly right but cap uh delivers has rights to about 1.5 million acre feet per year Mm -hmm. i think they'd have to basically be reduced to 800 900 by 800 or 900,000 acre feet a year before it would impact those high priority users. So that's why I'm saying it would take some time because the the shortages aren't going to come, you know, 100% shortage in year 1. It's going to take time and that the Bureau of Reclamation will kind of cut people back 
over time. So I think the latest projections I've seen from CAP, and they change all the time based on the so levels of late meeting. They're feeding us this information. They're saying that even under the the worst case scenarios right now that they see, they're still saying it would probably be 10 or 15 years before municipal would uh, see see the effects of a shortage. The question is, in my mind, are you thinking strategically further out from that, or when does that sort of thinking go into your, right. your planning? We do uh, a lot of planning. We always have. That's why we're in a position where we are now. But our planning horizon is usually goes out 40, 50 years. And so we, we do our planning on that. So we've included in our planning these proposed shortages uh, that we could see over time. And really, that's, that's really the impetus for why we have been purchasing our full allocation and storing it underground. Because if you do the math, about every two years, we store about a year's worth of uh, water underground where we have the recovery facilities to pull it out. So a 10% reduction in our CAP allocation wouldn't really even affect us right now. We'd still have the 100,000 acre feet that we need on an annual basis for direct deliveries. How much is down there? Right now, uh, you know, I don't have the exact number, but we've been storing a lot of water in there. Like I said, we have partners that store a lot of water. The Arizona Water Bank has stored a lot of water in our facilities. I would venture to say that there's several hundred thousand acre feet uh, stored, maybe even approaching, you know, a half million or so acre feet. We we uh, in March of last year, we actually hit a milestone where we had recharged a million acre feet. Now we recover some of that every year for for uh, direct use, but we've recharged over a million acre feet in our facilities. So do you um, do you can do you think that uh, or are you planning for running a deficit? Like right now you're running at a plus 70,000 acre right. feet it seemed like. Are you, are you thinking that perhaps there'll be a time when the deficit is the normal? I think our planning is such that we don't ever want to get into a deficit. We may come to a balance of uh, what we're putting in, what we're taking out each year. Um, but that's where, when to avoid a deficit, that's when we'd start looking at other, other alternatives that we have. But again, those are probably 30, 40, 50 years off before we would hit that point. But we have a lot of groundwater rights, water that we have rights to, um, like 4 million acre feet, that we aren't uh, touching right now because we can um, meet all our demands with CAP water. So that would be a fallback. Uh, also, our, our effluent. Uh, we're not using it all, and it's going to grow over time as our system grows and our demands grow. So we're looking... Uh, we, we just uh, went to Marin Council last night to uh, update them on our uh, recycled water master plan. So really what we're looking at is... Uh, moving to indirect potable reuse sometime in the future. 
you know, 30, 40 years. So that, that will carry us. But we never really want to get back to a point where we're in a deficit. That's, that's where we were before we had renewable water supplies. And really the 1980 Groundwater Management Act and the Assured Water Supplies, they really require us not to go into a deficit again like we were before. We have to meet all our, be able to show that we meet all our, our demands for 100 years uh, with renewable supplies. It's interesting. So Tucson sort of falls at the end of the CAP canal. Correct. By one measure, it's, it's, it's vulnerable to that just by virtue of it being at the end. But it does seem from what you're saying that um, there, there is at least a lot of um, uh, slush in the, in, mm-hmm. in the system. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Are we, is Tucson in better off than, let's say, let's say Phoenix, would you say? Well, right now, I think given the facilities we built, yeah, I think we're better off. I mean, uh, the Phoenix area, they have recharge facilities. They can put CAP water in the ground, and they have been, but they don't have the recovery facilities. We have recovery facilities that we can pull that same exact water, wet water, back out of the system. So what are those? What do they they look like to somebody that doesn't know what a recovery is? it's, It's a well field. It's a well field that we, it basically rings our, uh, our spreading basins, our, our recharge basins. So we basically pull that same water out back up. So, so in essence, I like to think of it as what we're doing with Central Arizona Project Water is we're taking a surface water, we're converting it to groundwater, and then we have facilities to pull that groundwater back out and put it into our system. So that's really what the Phoenix area doesn't have right now. But actually we're we're talking to them. We're we are at the end of the the line, but that actually gives us some advantages. Uh we're actually talking with some of the Phoenix uh area providers about them storing some of their water down here. And then during times of shortage, when they need that water, they make a call on it. But what we do is we just use our recovery facilities. We'd recover their water, use it in our system, and then we could make a like amount available upstream on the CAP right. for their use. So that water wouldn't flow through. Exactly. They would take our allocation up there, and we would take their allocation from the groundwater. Exactly. That's so that's a benefit of being at the end of the system. We don't really have to have that water come down if somebody has already stored that water in our system. We can just let them take a like amount of our water in exchange upstream. So, so you know, there's some really creative thinking going on right now uh, because of the shortage, uh, the imminent shortage the in the Colorado. Of mother of exactly, sort of exactly. So, so I think we're going to see a lot more of that. So I'm curious. There's a there've been a couple of headlines in the New York Times in mm-hmm. recent months. Uh, one from just this last month says Arizona cities could face cutbacks in water from Colorado rivers. Officials say, and then another one uh, in January that said Colorado River drought forces a painful reckoning for states. So um, does that apply to Tucson or not? Do those headlines were they written for with Tucson in mind or? No, I don't think so. I mean, just because of what we just talked about, I, I feel like we're in a much different uh, situation. That, you know, for the Southwest in general, maybe those headlines are are appropriate. But for our situation here in Tucson, um, not at all. I mean, I, I think we've prepared well. 
I think, uh, yeah, we, we, we see drought all the time here. So we've kind of hardened ourselves against that. So locally, locally, and then on the Colorado, we already talked about how we've already taken steps and it isn't something we did yesterday. I mean, we've been working on this for 10 years. Well, that's the, the sort of advantage of a, of a slow creeper like drought is that it doesn't sneak up on you. I mean, Correct. we're now in year 14 ish of, you know, extended below average precipitation. And, and, you know, we've had bumps in the reservoir levels. 2010, for example, we were at a similar uh, elevation in Lake Mead as we are now. And then the subsequent winter delivered a bunch of uh, snowpack to the upper Colorado River Basin. And the sort of conversation that we're having now disappeared till about now when we find ourselves in that situation. Um, and so some, it does seem like, to bring it back to the 1075, that that initial um, uh, forced reduction in allocation will have minimal impact on uh, municipal water deliveries for, for, for Tucson. Correct. And then it would take subsequent shortages, maybe 10, I have to look at the, 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 the details, but maybe 10, 10 1,050 feet or 1,025 feet, some of the more draconian shortage, right. uh, right. shortage declarations. Yeah, 1,000 foot elevation is like the, uh, is, is like the seller that, you know, there's a lot of things happen before we hit that, but when it hits a thousand, that's when the whole system is kind of broke, and where they they go into some real draconian. I mean, it. I even hear understand that uh, Las Vegas, uh, their intakes probably right. won't work below a, a thousand, even though they've been adding additional intakes and uh, uh, power generation at Hoover Dam. You know, could could cease at that level. So. So that's really the the things are really bad uh, when we get to a thousand, and that's that's when uh, the Bureau of Reclamation would probably step in and uh, basically <laughs> declare martial law on the river, and and they would probably make all decisions as to who get gets what when. Well, that's kind of interesting um, because we are sort of rolling into uncharted territory. A shortage declaration has never occurred. Um, right. It is probably more a question of when than if um but could you foresee any cascading impacts of a 1075 while that threshold may not on paper impact tucson mm -hmm. that it could impact other places yeah. which set into motion different things that impact tucson is right. that right are that built into any of the scenarios you know i I don't know that it's built into those scenarios, but I think all of us are cognizant of the fact that, yeah, we, we hit 1075, and especially if we move beyond the interim shortage sharing agreements that are in place, uh, you know, all bets could be off, even though, you know, the, the rules now say that M&I wouldn't be impacted until ag and everybody else is. Uh, that's not to say that the bureau or somebody might come in and change change the rules or even CAP for that matter uh, if they feel like they need to do something a little more aggressive to preserve uh, water in Lake Mead so we don't get to that thousand foot elevation so you know we're, we're definitely paying attention uh, because 
you know, it could be something like, well, okay, we're only directly using 100,000 acre feet a year. Um, maybe they would say, well, if you're not directly using it, we're not going to deliver uh, the excess, basically. I mean, that would hit us very hard uh, because we're counting on that water being banked so that we don't have problems in the future. If tomorrow they said we couldn't do that, that would be a big concern. Maybe we'll have to revisit this mm-hmm. if that you know, right. year after right. to see what sort of has yeah. played out because there does yeah. seem like perhaps there could be some un, unforeseen um, changes. Right. Now. Yeah, I, I, you're you're exactly right. It's uncharted territory. We've never had a shortage declaration. Again, the latest I hear is maybe 2016, probably more likely 2017. So. Like you said, we still have some time to plan, but I think now's the time to to do that planning, not not just locally like we've been doing uh, here in Tucson, but as a state, as as the CAP. Uh, I think we need to start figuring out how we're going to react to those declarations. And has there been any of those conversations, sort of at the state level, where the all the the, the managers are getting together? You know that. CAP has has taken a leadership role in uh, you know analyzing the projections and then trying to pass along to us what uh, what the impacts of those projections would be. Right now, it's still based on the rules at play and the priorities that have already been set. But I think we're starting to have those dialogues, and I, I think that. CAP and uh, you know Department of Arizona Department of Water Resources, you know are really going to have to take a leadership role in uh, making sure all of us are are engaged and uh, have all the information, and that the information is consistent. I think that's a problem we've had uh, because you know with with climate change and the different you know the bureau does their projections and then central arizona project does their projections and and i know everybody's trying to you know get a handle on it but it it's not the same information and i think we need to somehow get to where we're all playing from the same uh same sheet here and that'll help us move forward but you know and that's a big challenge because right. it's such an unknown it seems like this winter, in the next six months, could uh, could go a lot be- toward determining if that threshold is crossed or, right. or not. If we right. come out of this winter with below average precipitation in the upper upper basin, then it's it's pretty likely sooner than later. Right. And then uh, you know if it happened like it did in two thousand in the winter of two thousand ten two thousand eleven that the, the basins fill up, you know. We'll, we'll yeah. have to call you back in like another yeah, three years. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> if, if that happens. Remember 2014 then, when we had this conversation? Right, yeah. <laughs> and maybe, it, you know, I mean, it could push things up or it could push it back. And we've seen that every year. You know, it, uh, it, it, it is a moving target. And that's what makes it so difficult. But on the flip side, like you said, it, it doesn't happen overnight. So uh, we, we have time to react and we have time to respond, I guess, you know, the levels of Lake Mead determine, you know, from year to year how urgent it is that we need to uh, uh, respond. And, you know, I, I guess we can't do much more than play it by ear and look to leadership of our state agencies. 
Well, great. Uh, thanks again, Alan. Alan is director of Tucson Water. He's been there since uh, 2012. So we thank him for his for sharing his insights here in, uh, in in Tucson on this on this important topic. So thanks for thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.